Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is October 25th, 2021, and here with me for this Halloween episode to lift our spirits is my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. How are you doing, April? (laughs) You were holding that back the whole time. We had to take three runs at it to get past the the part about the raising your spirits. I see what you did there. Oh, Jen. I'm doing really well. Now, are you a Halloween person? Have we talked about this before? Are you super into it? Last year, we talked about our Halloween traditions. I talked about spooky ghost casserole with the little ghosts coming out of the casserole. remember. And the PIs. Mm -hmm. I'll link it in the show notes. Do. You talked about going to a friend's house. But you said you have no costume stories. Is that true? I don't really have costume stories. I know I wore them. We went trick-or-treating as kids, but I have no idea what I used to dress up as. What about you? Did you have a favorite go-to? I remember one in particular, probably because there's a photo of it somewhere, and I was that cartoon character, Adam Ant. Do you remember Adam oh, Ant? Oh, yes, I do. Not the 80s one-hit rock star. Mm-mm. Don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? Don't drink, don't smoke. <laughs> not that. No, not that. <laughs> yeah, I remember Adam Ant, actually. I'll link that in the show notes as well, and people can see the little cartoon character of Adam Ant. Needless to say. Yeah, I could see you as a pirate. I sort of see you in a oh, really? pirate motif for some reason. I don't know. Are you serious when you say that now? I, yes. <laughs> You'd be quite dashing, I think. What's a pirate's favorite restaurant? I don't know. What is it? Arby's. <laughs> oh, Jen. <laughs> You're a card today. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So I don't know what we're doing this year. I don't know if people will be trick-or-treating, if we have to hide out what it is that we have to do. But I love the time of year, though. I do, too. It's a great time of year. Yeah, I really love Halloween because it just falls during my favorite part of the year. But, of course, my very favorite is yet to come next month. Thanksgiving. That's right. But we were at the store the other day, and they had all these cute, tiny little pumpkins. So I think I have to buy a bunch of them and put them on the mantle. I think you do, too. And then I think you should post a picture of that for folks to see, because I bet that's pretty. It will be pretty. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll even get lucky and catch a moment when Violet is up there messing around with them, because she will. That would be fabulous. I know. The people have not seen Toby and Violet in some time. It's been a while. And they are grown and statuesque, full-fledged cats now. I can't believe it. I know. They're still super sweet, though. They're still young enough. They like to play, and they're, they're super zippy and fun. That's great. Well, my friend, what do we have on our show sheet for this week? Well, we're going to start off with the week of October 25th through the 31st, and we have Venus squaring Neptune on October 26th at 6.06 p.m. Pacific Time. Venus is at 20 degrees, 44 minutes of Sagittarius. Of course, Neptune's in Pisces, has been there for years, will be there for years. (laughs) (laughs) Seemingly forever. This would be the closing square from a conjunction that happened on March 13th of this year. 
and we talked about that in episode 72, Pisces New Moon, which I will link in the show notes. Very good. So folks can think back to mid-March and what was happening for them and think about if there's another part of that story playing out right now. Yeah, the combination of Venus and Neptune has to do with how we see things, especially in relationship or financial matters, versus how they really are. And sometimes we choose to see things in a particular way because it suits our purposes, even though all other evidence to the contrary is trying to say, you're not getting the whole picture here. So when Venus is square Neptune, I actually see it as a positive thing in a lot of ways because it does make us kind of open our eyes and see what's really going on around us. And as I say, especially in relationships with other people, if you've been struggling financially and are having a hard time figuring out how to turn that ship around, this is kind of a good aspect for that. Because when you've got a trine or you've got a sextile, especially if you have a trine, you just tend to believe the best no matter what. And when Venus is square Neptune, I always like to say, It's seeing people as they are, seeing situations as they are, and seeing if you can love them anyway. You know, a person doesn't doesn't have to be perfect for us to love them. Nobody is perfect. And especially when we're newly in a relationship, we tend to only see the best parts of the person. And then in time, something happens to make us realize, oh, they're not perfect after all. That's usually symbolized by the square between the two. And it's just that little wake-up call. And it's, as you say, it's the closing part of the cycle. So it says, this is not the first time you have found disillusionment in this particular relationship. The first time, you might have just swept it under the rug. Then we had the opposition, and you couldn't ignore it anymore, but then you put it under the rug again. This is the last time to see what's really going on in this situation. It's a quick little aspect. Look for it to really have its influence between, say, the 25th and the 27th. Got it. Jen, do you know what we have coming up next? Hmm. Let me think about it. (laughs) (laughs) What do we have coming up next? It's time for Moon Watch. Moon Watch. (laughs) Play it. Yes, it's Moon Watch, and starting out during this two-week period, we have a Leo last quarter moon on October 28th at 1.05 p.m. Pacific time at 5 degrees 37 minutes Leo and Scorpio. The Sabian symbols for the sun and moon at this last quarter are an old-fashioned lady and a flapper, that's 6 degrees Leo, and a gold rush, which is Scorpio. I haven't given a lot of thought to those symbols, but I thought they were particularly fun and interesting and picturesque. So I went ahead and added them to the show sheet. You know what the old-fashioned lady in a flapper makes me think of Mm. is the Saturn Uranus square, actually. Mm. Because when Elsie Wheeler intuited these Sabian symbols in 1925, a flapper would have been somebody very of the times. Very contemporary. A little bit unconventional. Mm-hmm. And so we've been talking all year about how the Saturn-Uranus square is about the old versus the new. And that's what that makes me think of. Very good point. And the gold rush, too, 
with Scorpio speaks me a little bit of that Uranian thing as well, oh. of Eureka, something new that's been found, and everybody goes rushing towards it. That's a very good observation, Jen. Oh, thanks. So this is the point in the lunar cycle when we look back to what we initiated at the previous new moon, which in this case was the October 6th new moon in Libra. And we see how have we been doing in the three weeks since then? Are we beginning to make some progress towards our goals? And if not, how can we pivot a little bit and get to the finish line by the next new moon, having accomplished what we set out to do? But of course, it's also a critical point in a longer lunar phase family cycle, a two and a half year cycle. And this one began with a new moon on July 31st, 2019. Then the first quarter in the cycle was April 30th, 2020, and the full moon was this year on January 28th. You know, every nine months, we get a new important moment in this lunar phase cycle. And we can look back to July of 2019 and think, was there something we initiated at that new moon? Something of the nature of Leo, a creative desire or project, something about children or pets in our lives. Anything that is heart opening is associated with Leo. Could also be romance. So think back, you know, I would invite everybody to think back and sit with their journal over their morning Joe and think about what they started then, because this is the moment to really bring it home, you know, to make whatever adjustments you need to make to bring that cycle to completion. Tell us what's happening next, pal. Next, we have the Sun Square Saturn on October 30th at 2.53 a.m. Pacific time. And that, of course, is present in the last quarter chart. And ever since the Sun entered Scorpio on October 22nd here on the West Coast, on the 23rd most everywhere else, we've been moving toward that Saturn brick wall. And if you have been feeling especially tired, which is something I've been hearing from a lot of people, or a little bit blue, know that your spirits will likely lift and your energy begin to return after we get past this square aspect. The sun is about our joy and our physical vitality. And especially when it's approaching a square to Saturn, it's like having a very heavy lampshade on your light. And it can be really hard to express joy and happiness. And physically, we just tend to feel kind of low, that everything's getting in our way of accomplishing what we want to accomplish. As we're recording this, Mercury is still retrograde too, and it's been a tough one. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been contributing perhaps to some of this heaviness too. Next, we have Mars entering the sign of Scorpio on October 30th at 7.21 a.m. Pacific Time. Mars is usually in a sign for about six weeks, and Mars will be in Scorpio through December 13th. Mars rules Scorpio, April. Isn't that right? It does indeed. It's the traditional ruler of Scorpio. A lot of people will be familiar with the modern rulership of Pluto Mm -hmm, over Scorpio. But if we look to the traditional rulerships, definitely it's a Mars-ruled sign. And that means Mars is very, very strong in Scorpio. You know, when Mars goes through Libra, it's a little bit tough because 
It's like you have to wait for other people to get on board to do the things you want to do. And you're having to collaborate with people. You're having to rely on their schedule, on their other things they have going on. But when Mars goes into Scorpio, it really is energized and feels its oats. And it says, yes, this is the moment you've been waiting for when all the constraints are off and you can really get moving on something, especially things of a Scorpio nature. So anything that requires in-depth research or troubleshooting are ideal for Mars and Scorpio times. Mars rules two signs. It rules Aries and it rules Scorpio. And its expression is very strong in both, but very different. Mars and Aries is wholly uncomplicated and very expressive. With Mars and Scorpio, there's a lot going on, but it's usually going on beneath the surface. That makes sense. And finally, in this week, we have Mercury trying Jupiter on Halloween, on October 31st at 9.18 p.m., at least here on the West Coast. It'll be just after midnight on the East Coast and practically everywhere else. Mercury's at 22 degrees and 39 minutes of Libra. Jupiter's 2239 of Aquarius. And this is the last of three trines between Mercury and Jupiter. The others were on September 30th, and we talked about that, I think, on episode 94. Yes, that's correct. The first day of Potathon. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> then the other was on October 3rd. So this would affect expression, communication, right? Yeah, absolutely. A way I like to think of Mercury working with Jupiter is Jupiter always has a big plan and a big picture, and Mercury's pretty good at breaking it down in its component parts and helping us devise a way of getting from here to there. And I will link back to episode 94, where we talked about this the first time. Perfect. Next up, we'll talk about the second week. This is the week of November 1st through 7th. And we start with Mercury at 24 degrees, 29 minutes of Libra, squaring Pluto in Capricorn for the third time. This is happening the 2nd of November at 2.39 a.m. Pacific time. And the other two times that this aspect happened was September 22nd and October 1st. So folks can think back to that time and think about if there were any messages or anything coming to light on those two times and see if it connects on November 2nd. Indeed. And what else should folks know about this as the third of three? Well, you need to sort of watch the way you speak with people because even though it's Mercury and Libra, it can get a little bit sharp and pointy when it aspects Pluto. Because the idea there is you're uncovering things, you know, as you said, your issues are coming to light. And Pluto is makes us a little bit pitiless <laughs> mm. about the things that we uncover. And I mean, thank goodness, as I say, it's Mercury and Libra, and that probably softens the message a little bit. But Libra, as we've said before, is one of those signs. There's a bit of a polarity there where for a while they're super measured, super diplomatic, very sweet. And then sometimes they can really flip over into that other side, which is pretty direct as well, and a little bit harsh. I would say just be conscious of what you're saying to people, and especially the way you're saying it. People will be pretty sensitive to that kind of thing around the time of this square. Right, right. Jan. Yes. 
The one thing I really do love about having episodes just every two weeks is we get not one, but two chances <laughs> to sing Moonwatch. A second Moonwatch. Play it! Oh, we have a wonderful Scorpio new moon on November 4th at 2.15 p.m. Pacific time at 12 degrees and 40 minutes of Scorpio. And we will tell you all about it in just a moment. But first, we want to reintroduce you to a past non-imaginary sponsor who is back with us once again, the wonderful artist Victoria Pendragon. Victoria Pendragon, who goes by V, as some folks may recall, is a wonderful painter who's combined her love of astrology with her artwork. Folks may recall that she has, of course, beautiful, large, elaborate natal chart paintings that she creates, but she also came to realize that she wanted to paint a smaller version of the personal birth chart painting because it would be equally meaningful and more affordable for a wider range of people, which I think is really great. Yay! So, yay for V. Yay for V! Tell us more, April. Well, V says that she fell in love with the planets before she was even in elementary school. And frankly, I don't think I knew there were planets before (laughs) I was in elementary school. So go V! Her love of astrology has continued throughout her life, but it wasn't until 2020 that art and astrology merged in her paintings. And it snuck in via her unusually insistent subconscious. V said, I finally saw what was trying to happen. Larger, abstractly elaborate works of the chart as art, as well as significantly smaller 12 by 12 pieces and more get to the point pieces that look like actual charts. Only wow, instead of black and white symbols on lines on a piece of paper, you've got planets in full color and a night sky dotted with stars. If you look closely, you can even see indications of the occasional important aspect. And there were little dots just outside the houses that were the appropriate constellations. And they're in pearlescent paint, so they shine a little bit. These paintings, based on your personalized birth information, they give you an opportunity to deepen a meditation process that occurs automatically as you gaze at the artwork. V says it allows you to connect more profoundly with the you that you came here to be. They could also be created to honor, of course, a special date, such as a wedding, which would be a fantastic gift, Yes, or the establishment of a business, or any date that's significant to you. She says that these are created with awe and fascination that has only grown deeper with the passing years. She says, my heart is in this work. And it really does show. V has a website that she's put together for this very cool astrology artwork at yourchartasart.com. We will link that in the show notes as we do. And you can also visit her full website, victoriapendragonpaints.com, to view more of her paintings. They truly are amazing. They really are. And V, thanks so much for sponsoring Moonwatch. We appreciate you so much. We do. Thank you so much. If you are a person who is interested in underwriting the Moonwatch segment in the months to come, just get in touch with us. We would love to talk to you about it. Yeah. And they can email me at april at com. That's a good place to start. That's great. Back to Moonwatch, April. As you said, this is a Scorpio new moon. It's happening on the 4th of November at 2.15 p.m. Pacific time at 12 degrees, 40 minutes of Scorpio. Help us understand this. It's on the Sabian symbol, an inventor experimenting. 
which is kind of perfect because it goes back to the Saturn Uranus square, of course, that we're having throughout the year. Yeah, coming up with new ideas and trying out new things. Yeah, that's definitely the innovative part of this. In the new moon chart, the sun and moon and Mars are all together and opposed Uranus and square Saturn. So it really is activating that very tense, fractious configuration, the year's biggest aspect between Saturn and Uranus. We might see people being a little easier to anger than usual because of Mars being complicit in here, especially to the extent that they feel closed in or unable to do what they want to do. That's the Saturn part. So the tension builds between the Scorpio planets and that Saturn and Aquarius, and then boom, the Uranus can kick in. And it makes people sort of do things that seem like it's coming out of nowhere, but really it's been building for a while. And the ruler is Mars and Scorpio, mm -hmm. very strong in Scorpio. And yeah, Mars can be a planet that likes to put up a fight for sure. And Saturn is equally strong in Aquarius. Sure, Saturn rules Aquarius. So the two of them are kind of really at loggerheads. And then you throw Uranus in there and you get a pretty volatile chart. Yeah. But we always say with these what we call T-square configurations, where we have an opposition between planets and all of them square a third planet. So in this case, it's Sun, Moon, Mars, opposed Uranus, and they're all square Saturn. So these T-squares usually occur between planets that are in signs of the same modality, so either cardinal, fixed, or mutable. So what you do is you look for the sign of that modality that is not represented by a planet. And in this case, it's Leo. <laughs> Look at me being a soprano. Gosh, I know. <laughs> I better be a tenor. Leo. <laughs> oh, that's great. So Leo says create something, celebrate something, bring joy, open your heart, you know, to everything that is fun and joyous and loving. This could be pets in your life. It could be tiny kittens, like my friend's kittens. It could be playing music. It could be dancing, whatever it is that really just makes you happy. It makes you smile, makes your heart giggle. Makes you shine your light. Mm -hmm. Those are all Leo things. Yeah. When it starts to get a little bit intense, that is your escape route. We still have to do the work at this new moon. Because again, a new moon begins a two and a half year cycle with the lunar phase families. With key points every nine months. That's right. So we need to be very intentional that we're going to use the enormous power in this T-square because it does have that going for it. It's very motivational. So think about what it is you're wanting to do in the Scorpio area of your chart, especially any planets that you have in Scorpio or that are involved in this whole configuration. And think, what do you want this area of your life to look like two and a half years from now? What area of your life do you want to uncover? Mm -hmm. Because Scorpio is very much about rebirth. And are there areas of your life that you want to sort of restart? Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And with Scorpio, too, it's about getting to the essence of who you are and not fooling yourself as well as, you know, trying to misrepresent sometimes what you are out in the world. Scorpio is not designed to be duplicitous, but it will protect its secrets, and this particular setup in this new moon says that we will be challenged to 
own whatever it is we are trying to keep secret from the world and sort of incorporate it into who we really are. I always think that we only are, what's that phrase? We're only as sick as our secrets, Mm. I guess. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. To the extent that we have something to hide, we have less power. Because in the back of our minds, we always know that somebody can reveal our secrets. So really owning everything that you are and everything about yourself is a really good project to embark on over the next two and a half years with this new moon. Later, the same day as the new moon, the sun completes that opposition to Uranus. On November 4th at 4.58 p.m. Pacific time, it's midway through a cycle that began at the conjunction between these two on April 30th. And we talked about that in episode 79, Scorpio full moon, bust out your cape. (laughs) So this is the time, you know, again, we're talking about the inventor experimenting. This is a time that there's possibility of creative breakthroughs, especially in collaboration with other people. It's sort of cracking things open like a bolt of lightning when the sun's opposed Uranus. Over the last episode or two, we've been talking a lot about the Saturn-Uranus theme Mm -hmm. of this year. Yeah, we're really seeing it in the world. And now as we're moving into the Scorpio part of the year, you know, first it was the sun going into Scorpio and now Mars going into Scorpio. It is going to create some friction with those fixed signs, Saturn and Aquarius, Uranus and Taurus. Anytime we have a lot of planets moving through any of the fixed signs, it's really giving a little kick to that Saturn-Uranus combination. Very good. The next day, Venus enters very serious Capricorn on November 5th at 3.44 a.m. Pacific time. It'll be in that sign through March 5th of 2022. And Venus could be Capricorn for a long time. It'll be in for four months. Wow. Because it's going to retrograde in Capricorn between December 19th of this year and then January 29th of next year. That's big news. It is. It's sort of like last summer when we had Mars and Aries forever. Right, right. So it's really there a long time. Yeah, because Venus is usually only in a sign for a month or so. Yeah, a little under a month. Yeah. So we know that we have some very particular work to do, some very particular lessons to learn, perhaps, about this time of Venus being in Capricorn. And I think it's about commitment. Venus is the people we love, the things that we love. And Saturn says, okay, but are you really committed to it? Can you be serious about this, about this relationship or this project or whatever it is that you're doing, this business, if you're starting a business? And it's also about values, and it's about financial responsibility. If you have been trying to get that part of your life in order, this is going to be a really important time for trying to get that going while Venus is in Capricorn. Do you have any thoughts? I know that when Venus is retrograde, there are certain things that are really good to do in your life, helpful to do, constructive And there are also things that maybe you should either hold off or try to do ahead of time. Do you have any advice for folks about what that might be? So it's true. It's not the best astrology for initiating something new that's related to Venus. When I used to choose wedding dates for people, my one non-negotiable criteria for a wedding date was Venus must not be retrograde because marriage is a Venus institution. 
And what happens when a planet is retrograde is we just may not have all the facts. So it's also not a great time to make huge investments because that's related to Venus or to make big decisions about property or how you're investing things. So I would say if people can hold off until March on those kinds of things, that's probably good. I'm not going to say that if you already have your wedding date chosen for Christmas time, that your marriage is doomed. It's more complicated than that. But I really do recommend against it if you possibly can wait. Because I, I just, I looked at many, 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 many charts of weddings. Because I like to test all of this old information that we get handed down. And say, well, what happens if you get married when Venus retrograde and it really did seem to be a problem. Those marriages tended to end acrimoniously a lot of the time. So if you've already made those plans and you're committed to going ahead with that, I just say always it wouldn't be a bad idea to go in and get a, you know, have a session with a couple counselor or a member of the clergy or something just to make sure all the cards are on the table that everybody's clear about what they're getting into and that you can maybe avoid some misunderstandings that could cause problems later on. Would it be a good time for folks to revisit what their own values are? Yeah, of course. And to review relationship patterns. Sure. To say, oh, wow, I keep running into these particular problems in my relationships. What's going on? The one constant is me. Another thing will be reviewing how you're handling your money how you're spending it, what your overall objectives are financially. So it's always a good time to research when a planet's retrograde. Maybe you're thinking about making a big move, and this would be a good time to really be looking at real estate in various places, but not necessarily making the decision and initiating the process. So I hope that's helpful to people and not just frustrating because I never like to just say, don't do this, don't do that. But the whole idea to me of having astrology as one of our tools is to say what's going to flow and what isn't. And we can see every time Mercury is retrograde, communications tend to not flow super well, for instance. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I was just going to say, actually, it reminds me of when Mercury's retrograde and things with technology go awry. You can just say to yourself, oh, yeah, you know. Astrologers said this would maybe happen, and here it is. Yeah, and sometimes you really don't have a choice, and you have to proceed. Exactly. And that's okay. Just don't expect things to go 100% smoothly, mm -hmm. and then you won't get as frustrated. And try not to back yourself into a corner. Always with Mercury, it's to do with scheduling. Don't schedule yourself too tightly. With Venus, it's like, well, don't paint yourself into a corner financially or make some kind of commitment to something that is not going to end up being right for you in the long haul. And the same thing with the finalizing relationships too. Good advice. Last but not least, we have Mercury entering the sign of Scorpio on November 5th at 3.35 p.m. Pacific time. Mercury will be in Scorpio through November 24th, the day before Thanksgiving. <gasps> Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mercury in Scorpio tells us what, April? Well, Mercury in Scorpio is a little bit about the same things we talked about with Mars going into Scorpio, which is it's a good time to go deep, 
to really look underneath the surface, to research things, to troubleshoot, to come up with new solutions. It's also a good time to get rid of stuff if you got old files laying around that you need to destroy. If you want to clean out your closet, if you want to have a big yard sale, just get rid of dross. Get rid of just old junk that isn't serving you anymore. Mercury and Scorpio is one of your better times to do that. I love that it's going into Sagittarius before Thanksgiving because Sagittarius is pretty opinionated and that can cause problems at Thanksgiving, but at least it'll be safe to leave the knives laying around, you know, because <laughs> Mercury Scorpio could get quite pointed about things. So <laughs> I think that that augurs well for a somewhat jollier Thanksgiving, but we will talk more about that as we get closer to that episode. And that'll be closer to our second potiversary, too, of course. That's right. Ooh, <laughs> potiversary. All right. Well, I think that's everything on this epic show sheet, my friend. Have we done it? As a pirate would say, <laughs> Yar. Arr, we've done it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, thanks to all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to follow us. Leave a rating or a review, and we hope that you'll help us spread the word by telling a friend about the show. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're so grateful to everyone who showed support during our podathon. Of course, each week we thank some of you by name. Who do we have this week, pal? We are giving a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Sharon Hatton, Tracy Corbin, and Naya Marinamore. Boy, I'm hoping I said that right. Yay! <laughs> Get out your bingo cards. <laughs> oh, gosh, no kidding. Sharon, Tracy, and Naya, we really do appreciate you. We thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting us with your financial donations. Thank you so much to all of you. As a small independent podcast, your donations mean so much to us. If you miss the podathon and you'd like to support the show, please go to BigSkyAstropod.com. And if you donate $5 or more, we'll send you the special episode that we put together for the Libra Equinox. And we'll also send you our upcoming Capricorn Solstice episode. And of course, our rib-tickling bingo card. <laughs> that is it for us for this episode. Join us again bright and early in two weeks' time. And until then, keep your feet on the ground. And your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time.